Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church, where you're going to church with the whole world. Man, right now, people all over the world are together in I groups. People are together in church services and home meetings of all kinds, as well as individuals all over the world sharing in this message with you, sharing in this gospel with you. Today, I'm in the last message on this series about freedom from emotional debt. Man, alive have I been getting testimonies from people. Have I been seeing lives get changed? Yes, 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 yes. And if you've missed any part of this series, go back and listen to all of it. Because I'm going to tell you, this is going to walk you through some incredible things. It's going to help you today. In this last message, this may not make sense to you, but I'm going to help you stop stepping on the landmines because the first rule to getting whole, whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually, is stop stepping on the landmines. I'll be right back. Be sure and stay with me. Be sure and take advantage of the free download, the devastating power of pain, because I'm not just going to talk about pain. I'm going to show you how to get past your pain. All right. Today we're talking about stop stepping on the landmines. I know that sounds kind of hokey, but you know, there's just no better way to say it. Many of you know that I had a clinic for many years. I treated substance abusers, treated general health issues. And the greatest challenge that you faced in the field of health was that people did not want to stop doing the things that would make them sick. It's very often easy to get people well. All that really has to happen for people to get well physically is to stop doing the things that interrupt the body's natural and normal processes because God designed this body to heal, to recover by itself without any external input. And the only time we have to have something external, something from outside of nature, if you will, is, you know, when we have an accident where we break a bone, you know, where there's a destruction of an organ or something like that. But by and large, if we just stopped killing ourselves, most of us would get well. You've heard me say it over and over and again. You know, the, the scripture from Proverbs, that says, he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. In everything that we do, we are either investing in our life or we are investing in our destruction. Now, emotionally, you want to realize that where this really comes in emotionally and spiritually is this. You can't do things that corrupt your sense of identity, that corrupt your capacity to realize you in Christ. Because if you're not realizing you in Christ, if there's not a constant living awareness of you in Jesus, then I got news for you. It's not going to be long till none of this is really going to be working for you because the grace of God, faith, love, all of these things work from our heart, and our heart is the seat of our identity, and our identity is established because of our connection with God 
in Christ. And that may sound pretty complicated to you, but it's not as complicated as it seems. You know, that's the reason we use a program called Essential Heart Physics, which is a 30-day life renewal program, where the one primary goal of that program is that at the end of 30 days, you have an abiding awareness of Christ in you. When people have a, an abiding awareness of Christ in them and an abiding awareness of the fact that they are in Christ, I got to tell you, you manage your life completely differently. Now, this gets into the whole sin issue. And I know, don't run, don't run, don't run. I'm not going to beat you up because remember, I'm not talking about the sin the way religion has defined sin. Sin is anything that causes us not to obtain the glory of God. And the glory of God is the view, the opinion, and the reality of God. God has a reality. God has a view. God has an opinion of us. And because we are hid in Christ and God, His opinion is that we are as righteous as Jesus. His opinion is that we are loved and accepted. His opinion is that we have all things that pertain to life and Godliness. That is His view and opinion And that is his eternal reality. And when that becomes our view and opinion, then we begin to experience that reality in our lives. That's what happens when you believe what God says. You know, faith isn't nearly as much about trying to get something from God, like we've been taught about, as much as it's just believing the truth about who God is and believing the truth about who you are because you're in Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. So this kind of goes back to what Proverbs tells us, that we got to guard our heart above all else because out of it flow all the issues, all the boundaries of life. So, you know, we're kind of wrapping up this series and we're talking about the fact that, number one, you've got to manage your life and determine what you're going to expose yourself to and what you're going to do based on how it's going to alter your sense of who you are in Christ, your sense of the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, the apostle John told the church, he said, listen, you know, he talked about walking in love, and he said, as he is, so are we in the world. In other words, you know, when he was in the world, he walked in love. He applied God's commandments from the perspective of love. He treated people in, congruent with God's commandments from the perspective of love. And he said, and, and that's us. We're in the world, and we're walking in love. But then he went on to tell us that when we don't walk in love, our heart condemns us. And even though God is greater than our heart, when our heart condemns us, we are not able to receive or take hold of uh, the things that we're praying about, the things that we're talking to God about, the things that God has promised us. Now, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to, and you know, in the scripture that everybody twists and perverts about spiritual warfare is not that there's not a spiritual warfare. We think it's about fighting with the devil, but the truth is spiritual warfare is about fighting with us and our beliefs and our attitudes and how we see ourselves and whether or not we believe what God says about himself, about Jesus, and about us. Whether or not we accept God's word as the only absolute standards, morals, values, and ethics and this sort of thing. But the Bible says that we are to guard our heart with righteousness. Now, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the Apostle John is saying, you know, when we are not as we should be, when we are not as He is, when we don't walk as He walked, our heart condemns us. In other words, when I give in to destructive behavior, which you know what? We all make mistakes. We all have failures, and we can all tap right back into the forgiveness of God that has been freely given in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the problem is when we do that over and over and over and over again, our conscience, as we talked about in past weeks, becomes corrupt. It becomes dual instead of single. 
And even though we have the Spirit of God in us, calling us righteous, calling us delivered, calling us saved and healed and blessed and prospered and protected and holy and all of these things, our soul, our mind is saying, mm, doesn't look that way by the way I'm living, doesn't look that way by the way I'm treating people. And so what starts happening is our conscience gets corrupt and we can no longer see God as He is. We can no longer see ourselves as we are. And we can no longer see God's reality in the world around us. All we can see are the circumstances. So this is why, and we talked about this last week, and I'm not going to go back into this too far, but Ephesians 4.12, you know, the job description for ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And that word equip means to mend or to make whole. In other words, God's top priority for us, as you've learned through this series, is to first and foremost get us whole. Because in this wholeness, and this wholeness comes by experiencing the love of God. As we are immersed in the love of God in this wholeness, then we are intimately connected with God. We trust God. We are open to God. We're going to walk in love toward other people. We're going to bless other people. And really, we're going to feel every part of our divine destiny when we are made whole and we are connecting to the love of God and we're loving people and we're having a healthy, biblically-based love for ourselves. Now, Ministry that does not proceed from a heart of love will always end up being pharisaical or religious in nature. You see, love always seeks to edify. Love always seeks to build up. Knowledge puffs up. So much of what happens in the body of Christ today is all about knowledge. It's just the exchange of information. And we think because we know things that other people don't know, that that makes us more spiritual. We think because we can answer questions other people can't answer, we are really more connected to God than they are. But the truth is we're just puffed up and we're not really connecting to God, we're connecting to our ego. But God says, that love builds up. And the question is, is what I'm hearing building me up? Is what I'm preaching building people up? Am I reminding people of who they are in Jesus? Am I reminding people of what they have in Jesus? But the biggest thing, more than anything else, and I'm not saying this is all I preach about because you all know I preach about a lot of challenge and stuff, but in all things, am I able to bring it back and connect it to an expression of God's love? In other words, everything that we talk about, if you believe that God is who He says He is, and you know, faith is more about trusting the character and nature of God than it is about trusting that God will do something for you. If I trust in the character and the nature of God, then faith is an easier thing because I believe that God is good, that He is only good. I believe that I can trust Him. I know that He will not hurt me. And I am able to live in this dimension of life where faith is easy, trust is easy, because it is easy to trust somebody who loves you. Listen, I'll be right back with the second segment. Don't go away. You know, freedom from emotional debt is one of those series that you're going to work through stuff. You're going to deal with things. In fact, I'm going to give you access to some free exercises that I'm going to teach you to do that will instantly eradicate pain and instantly free you from the manipulation of the past. Listen, you don't want to spend the rest of your life making emotional payments on the pain of the past. You want to get set free and you want to live a great life. You know, I had an interesting thing happened to me just yesterday. I was out in the mall taking care of some business, and uh, there were two people working in the same business. 
And, uh, you know, I just began to talk to them both about the Lord. Well, after one of the people left, the other person said, you know, they don't even believe in Jesus. And people are always amazed that I am always able to talk to people who sometimes are antagonistic in their anger against God and against the church, or sometimes they're atheists, sometimes they just don't know what they believe. But people are always amazed that I'm able to have positive, healthy conversations with people that are atheists. Well, there's a reason for that, and that's because my goal for every person is that every person recognize the love of God. Every person first and foremost, connects to the character and the nature of God. You know, sometimes we just start right off with the assumption that we're going to lead somebody to Jesus by telling him what happened at the cross. And, you know, sometimes you can do that. And I've led thousands of people to Jesus one-on-one, you know, just sharing the message of the cross. But uh, what I have found in an antagonistic, atheistic society like we have in America now, see, most people think that God is angry. Most people think that God is the source of all trouble that's in the world. And I'll tell you this, in the days that are coming ahead, I promise you this, all the governments of the world will eventually outlaw all types of religion because that is the goal. That's what's happening in the world today. It is the intention to create religious strife and ultimately be able to outlaw any worship of any God and all people have to become loyal to the state. That is the goal. And so our schools are producing kids that are atheists, angry, blaming God. And the people who do believe in God often believe that God is the source of their pain, which goes back to Isaiah 52, where you know the prophet says, well, why do the people howl? Why do they mourn? Why do they go into captivity for no reason? And the, God speaks back through the prophet. And he says, because of the leaders, because of the leaders, the burdens that leaders lay on people. I'm not saying every leader does that. I'm not saying every preacher does that by any means. I'm telling you, thank God we've got some wonderful faith-filled, God-loving, people-loving pastors that are out there. But I got to tell you, they're not really as common as you believe. And many even who talk about the love of God will weave in things that make you afraid of God, make you afraid that He's going to hurt you. And the prophet Isaiah said, this is why God's name is blasphemed continually. But he says, a day will come when people will see Him as He is. And in that day, they will say, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them who publish the gospel of peace. See, the gospel of peace says that in Christ Jesus, God has made peace with man. So that God no longer relates to man on the basis of his sin. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's saved. That doesn't mean everybody's going to heaven. But it means no one has to be afraid that God is going to hurt them. And God made a covenant in the Lord Jesus called the covenant of peace. And in this covenant of peace, we receive from God only those things that He would give and do to the Lord Jesus Himself. And that's all because we are hid in Christ and God. But by and large, most people don't believe that God is good. And that's where faith starts. You know, Hebrews eleven six, 6, which we've read dozens of times, says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And most people have no clue what that really means. What does that mean? Do I have enough faith? I don't know. Well, faith is trust. And more than anything else, trust is about the character and the nature of God. And one of the most important principles you have to understand 
about building faith is you don't build faith by memorizing scriptures. It's good to memorize scriptures, but you can confess scripture, confess scripture, confess scripture, confess scripture all you want to, but if you don't believe that God is a good God and He is the rewarder of those who seek Him, and by the way, that word diligently seek Him isn't even in the Greek. It just says He's a rewarder of those who more like sincerely and honestly seek Him. If you don't believe that God is good, at nature, at core, if you don't see that God is love and everything that He does comes from the fact that He loves us, He's good to us, He wants us to have the very best, if that's not the starting place for you, then no matter what scriptures you're going to learn, you're not going to be sure if God's really going to do them for you. And you're going to have a tendency to focus on the negative scriptures that reinforce your fears rather than focusing on the scriptures that reinforce God's love. Now, I'm going to read a scripture from the, and I'm going to use the Living Bible. And I understand Living Bible is not an exact translation, but the Living Bible actually translates this scripture much more effectively, probably than maybe any other translation. So I'm just using this to save time and to simplify. First John 4:18 says this. It says, "We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly." Now, this is where. I want people to start. You know what? I, I tell you, when I'm out talking to people, I just start talking about the good things that God did. You know, I was talking just the other day to somebody that was an atheist, and they were asking me, you know, some things about my life and da 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 da. da. And you know, I was talking about how that uh, I had a congenital kidney disease, and in 1983, you know, I got healed. The Lord healed me. You know, I opened my heart and trusted Him, and He healed me. And I just kept talking. Well, I want to tell you something. That person's whole the way they listen to that conversation and the types of questions they ask change. Now, see, I didn't go in and say, here's what you need to be doing. Here's what you need to be believing. Da, 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 da. I just start talking about the goodness of God. Now, here's the incredible thing. The Holy Spirit is always going to be there ministering to that person, confirming the goodness of God in their own heart if they open themselves up at all. But here's the key. Once we realize somebody perfectly and completely loves us, we don't have to be afraid. You know, I realized a long time ago when I made the decision, I was going to make my highest purpose to know and feel the love of God as much as possible to help people around me know and feel the love of God. When that became my purpose, faith became easy. When that became my purpose, guarding my heart became easy. When that became my purpose, staying out of sin became easy. In other words, everything about how this life as a believer is supposed to work, works when we work from the same core motivation and the same core values that God has, which is love. So if I'm afraid of God, now I know people say, oh, the Bible says you got to have the fear of God. Well, let me just tell you a couple of interesting points right here. First of all, the word fear, if you look it up in any decent Hebrew lexicon, is going to tell you that it has to do with awe and respect and worship. In other words, when you hold God in all, when you hold him in respect, you're going to love him and you're going to worship him. And in fact, when Jesus was being tempted on the mount, he quoted a scripture back to the devil about God and said that him alone shall you worship. And he quoted a scripture from Deuteronomy that in the original text in the King James, it says fear. Jesus quoted the word fear is worship because he knew that that word didn't mean be afraid he's going to hurt me. It meant to have something in you that was so awe-inspiring that it turned you to the place of true worship. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of worship that's contrived where you're jumping through hoops trying to get God to do something for you, get more anointing, more. But I'm talking about where you just see how God, you know, we posted some new photographs of, of Brenda on our Facebook page this week. 
And in one of these pictures, I'm sitting there playing my guitar, playing her song on my guitar. And I got to tell you, every time I look at that picture, my heart just lights up with incredible love for my wife. And I'm not sure what it is about that picture. All I know is when I look at that picture, I just connect to everything I love about her. See, that's what worship is about connecting to God and who He is to you and who He is to your life and who He is, you know, that you're yet to experience. And it just flows out of you in response to this. Anyhow, so you don't have to be afraid that God's going to hurt you. And if you know He loves you perfectly, you'll never be afraid. And it goes on to say, His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what He might do to us. So, the more I connect to the love of God, the less expectation I'm going to have of Him doing anything bad to me. But listen to this next verse. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what He might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that He really loves us. Right there is the problem that the church as a whole, the world as a whole is facing. We are not sure that God's really a good God. Therefore, we cannot be sure that God really loves us. Let me tell you something. If you want to understand where all of this corrupt doctrine came from, if you want to understand how the world and the church got to the place to where they blame God for every bad thing that happens, read my book, Apocalypse. I'll tell you, it gives you the spiritual history of the world to understand how we got here, explains where we are, what's happening in the world today, and it tells us how to prepare for what's coming next. We have got to make a decision about whether God is who He says He is or not. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53, when it talks about the exchange of what Jesus did on the cross, it kind of starts that chapter out about who will believe our report. Well, I'll tell you what, the problem is we believe the preacher's report, we believe our mama's report, we believe our daddy's report, we believe the sinner's report, we believe the report that the school gives us through their false science. We believe everybody except God. And if we read Isaiah 53 and saw what Jesus did, His wounded for our transgression, His bruised for our iniquities, his chastisement for our pieces upon him, we realize that God expressed his love for us on the cross of Jesus. If we didn't have anything else other than what Jesus did for us on the cross, if we didn't have anything else, that would be all of the proof that we would ever need that God loves us. Usually we go to something subjective and we look at our life and we try to see what's going on in our life. And if our life's not going good, then we assume that God doesn't love us. But we never admit, you know what? I get up every day and I dance through the landmine. I get up every single day and drink poison and expect to be physically healthy. I get up every day and I'm hateful to my spouse and I expect to have a good marriage. I treat everybody around me in a despicable way and I cheat and lie and I can't understand why I can't ever get ahead and I can't get the promotions, can't get the jobs that I want. We go out and blindfold ourselves and dance through the landmine. You know, when a leg gets blown off or an arm gets blown off, we say, see, God doesn't love me. Don't go away. I'm going to be back in my mentoring moment. Just a few minutes. I want you to know Jesus paid for all the pain of your past, all the emotional pain, all the physical pain. He buried it. He left it dead in the grave and raised up. It is time for you to enter into your year of jubilee where all of your emotional past is paid. Would you like to stand before Jesus and know that your life counted? Would you like to stand before Jesus and present to Him something worthy 
to give to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, if you'd like to, then I invite you to join me in Operation 1B. We are working a plan, a diligent plan to reach 1 billion people for Jesus. And we are starting Bible schools all over the world. We are getting literature into people's hands. We are sending this broadcast to tens of thousands of people every week. Uh, the list just goes on and on and on. We are equipping ministers all over the world. But you know something? We need you to do. It costs us at least $600 to start a school anywhere in the world, which is nothing. It used to cost us a quarter of a million dollars. Join me in Operation 1 billion and help us change the way the world sees God. Help us take the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth so Jesus can return. If you want your heart to stay whole by the love of God, or if you want your heart to get whole, it's going to happen because you believe and experience the love of God. There's two things, or actually three things that you've got to do. You know, number one is the Bible tells us over in 1 John, the fourth chapter, it says, and herein is the love of God manifest that Jesus became the propitiation for our sin. That word propitiation means the satisfying of wrath. Well, I want to tell you, there are a lot of people watering down the message of the cross and saying Jesus really didn't become sin. God didn't really pour his wrath out on People who are saying that, they're probably good people, but they don't understand the Bible. They do not understand the Bible. And to the degree that you water down the price that Jesus paid on the cross, you minimize the incredible love that God showed there on the cross. So the first thing you want is you want to get solid about what Jesus did on the cross. Listen, if you are unsure about what Jesus did on the cross, go through my personal mentoring program on our website. Or if you want to get something super duper enriching, get my series, Three Days It Changed the World. But come to understand and choose to believe what Jesus did on the cross. Secondly, you've got to make a decision. Either God is good or he's not, and you've just got to decide. And as long as you're wavering back and forth, you know, the apostle John said in 2 Corinthians 1, 19, he said our message to you wasn't yes sometimes and no sometimes. Our message was always yes, and that all the promises of God are always ours in Jesus. You've got to decide God's good all the time or he's not, because God doesn't change just because your circumstances change. You've got to make that decision. And you know what? Then the third thing you want to do is you want to pour out your heart to God. You've got to connect to God personally, however you do it, and prayer and meditation and fasting and seeking God, whatever it takes for you to fully surrender your heart to Him and hold nothing back. And you know what? I said there's only three things, but then the fourth thing is make up your mind that you're going to treat everybody around you in a way that they're going to feel the love of God. i got news for you. Your heart will be whole. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.